Good morning, everybody. Balcony's full. God bless the balcony. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, you go somewhere. If there's a balcony, that's where you want to go. Where are you going? Up. My gosh, we're going up. That way we can get away with stuff. Nobody can catch us. That's what we thought, you know, that they did. We had mean ushers in our church. They were good men. God bless Tennessee. God bless the state of Tennessee. Come on, man. Y'all live in the belly button of heaven. You just don't know it. And, uh, you know, God lives on a mountain. You know that, don't you? It's in the Bible. Lives on a mountain. He visits everywhere else. So we're out in Oklahoma where he comes to visit every now and then. So uh, he said hi. So hi back. You know, a family is a great thing. It's uh, the first thing God made and the first thing he lost. God made a family, Adam and Eve, living in paradise. Everything's great. Perfect economy, perfect weather. Clothes were cheap. Neighbors were nice. It was great. And then, problem is they sin. Sin's got death attached to it. We don't talk about sin in church much. That doesn't sell very many books. But, you know, it's in the Bible. God loves sinners, but he hates the sin. But he loves sinners. He just hates the sin because sin will kill you. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they got fired from their job and evicted from their house. And the kids started killing each other. So it went downhill from there. So I try to imagine what it was like in heaven when it happened. It wasn't like it caught God by surprise. He knows everything. But I can imagine Adam and Eve were walking out of the garden. I could just hear him talking to his son because you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And he said, well, look at that son. Look what they've done. Adam done shot his foot off, man. He just gone stupid on us, man. They've lost everything, been fired, evicted. Their kids are killing each other. So I'm going to have to send you down there to fix it, son. You're the only one I got. You're going to have to go down there and fix it. So, uh going to be tough, son. Number one, I'm going to have to shove you in that mother right there, and she's going to have to shove you right back out because you got to go legal. you got to be born down there. And then once you come out, it's going to get kind of ugly. People, number one, they're not going to believe it's you. They're going to think you of the devil or crazy, and they're going to try to shove you off a cliff and throw rocks at you, and eventually they're going to arrest you and rip the hat of your face and nail you to a piece of wood, and you're going to have to die and go to hell for three days. So uh, you got to do it, son. You're the only one of God. Now, what if Jesus was like most men sitting there thinking like, that's not my fault. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a man. I got a wife and kids. I, I don't know how many times I'd say that. Well, it's not my fault. I didn't flunk out. You flunked out. It's not my fault. Not my fault. You know, you got locked the car. You're the one did it. I did not my fault. And men, men do that a lot. But real men don't. Jesus, Jesus was a real man. But Jesus didn't say that. So what Jesus said was, okay. Jesus became responsible for something that was not his fault. Mature men, mature women become responsible for things that are not their fault. That's what you do when you grow up. What are you going to do? I'm going I'm to be responsible. But it's not your deal. No, but I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to leave everything better than I find it. Jesus found a blind man, left him with two eyeballs. Found a man with no hand, left him with a hand. Found a dead kid at a funeral, left a mother with a live son. Find 5,000 hungry people on the hillside, left them with 5,000 happy meals. Every time Jesus went somewhere, he left it better than he found it. So number one, real adults, real men, real women, number one, become responsible for things that are not their fault. Number two, we always leave things better than we find them. And number three, we're always trying to work ourselves out of a job by delegating. You don't want to be somebody, you want to train somebody. You know what I'm saying? There's some people when they learn something, they think they've got a secret and they won't share it. You know, working in the workplace for 10 years as a, you know, a lab technician, as an engineer, 
the more you give away, the more you get back. It is the law of sowing and reaping. If you know something, share it with somebody. Help them. Don't try to hide it. You don't want to bury it under a basket somewhere. You want to give it away. So Jesus is always trying to delegate himself out of a job. The only time he ever got upset, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is when his disciples didn't get that. And he would hear him yelling at them all the time, Oh, ye of little faith. Little faith, no faith, weak faith, ye of little faith. When are you going to get this? When are you going to get this? Jesus was mad because they wouldn't do what he was doing. He said, the things I do, you're going to do also, and even greater things than these are you going to do. As a parent, I want my kids to grow up. What's the goal? Grow up. We were so glad we found out we were pregnant with a baby. It was wonderful. People got excited and came over. We had dinner with them. It was just a fun time. Then the baby came out the hospital, and everybody showed up, bought little cheap gifts. Then they didn't show back up till they graduated from high school. And once your kid got out of the high school or college, the goal was, it's time for you to leave. We love you, but go. <laughs> Depart. We want us. God says he gives us children as a reward, then we're to give them back to him. So the whole goal is to get them gone. And that's just a great goal, you know. Like, like Denise and I, we're at home by ourselves now, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it's incredible. It's tremendous. It's fun. We're getting to know each other again. We remember now why we fell in love 42 years ago. Like, my God, I know now why I want to suck the lips off your face. You're a good woman. <laughs> Thing is, even though they're adults, they still call and show up every now and then. And I remember you think like, what is it? The kids are here. Praise God. <laughs> because when they show up, you know what's going on. They're not here because they love us. They're after something. They want something, they want to borrow something, or they need a check. I know what they're doing here. So I'm going to buy me a Santa Claus suit and sit on the front porch when they pull up. Ho, ho, ho. Get on up here and see what I got in my sack. And it's like, now Denise gets on because I kind of do my mouth a lot with that thing. But I love my kids and I want to help them. I want to bless them. But the goal still is to grow them up. We just had our annual Christmas vacation. Uh, had a big cabin down in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and got everybody together. It's the one time a year Denise makes me do something with all of them. I pay for everything. I pay for you to get there, your food, your entertainment. Ho, ho, ho. We're going to have a good time. But I do own you four hours one day during that week. And what I do, I sit down with them and we go through the who, what, where, how, why, when. Trying to make sure you still have a vision for your life. I don't want nice kids. I want successful kids. Now, when I was here back in the summer, we talked about how God promised in Psalm 112, if you fear God, if you delight in his commandments, his word, your children to be successful. Didn't say they'd be perfect. Didn't say they'd make straight A's now and never get in trouble. It said they would be successful. Now you look that word up, the opposite of success is not fair. The opposite of success is mediocre. God doesn't want mediocre people. I mean, Jesus even said, I would that you were hot or you were cold. The fact that you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. God created us to do something great. But the devil shows up the minute you leave your mother's womb to tell you how stupid you are. You're dumb, you're stupid, nobody loves you, can't walk and chew gum, you can't diagram a sentence, you can't pass algebra, you can't pass chemistry, you can't get a date on Friday night. You're just dumb. And so what happens, the world conditions us to, we're about 18, what are you trying to do? I'm just trying to find a friend. I just want somebody to find somewhere. And we're just, trying to, we're just trying to be somebody, not do anything. And I tell people, you know, God had it in the Word how we were to teach and train our children early. Why? God promised me that if I would fear him and delight in his word, my children would be successful. And so I got too many of them for them to go stupid on me. And people think I'm trying to be funny. I'm very serious. 
I can't afford for you to go stupid on me. You better not go stupid on me. So I pray two things every day. I pray Psalm 3411 every morning. I pray this morning. Father, teach my children, teach my family to fear you. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. Then the Bible says if you lack wisdom, you can ask God and he'll give it to you liberally or by the bucket load. So, Father, I ask you for liberal wisdom, for practical, successful daily living for my family today. I do that every day. I do that twice a day. Why? I need my kids to fear God. Because we all have flesh. I don't care how successful you become and being, tomorrow is a new day. I have a statement. People think I didn't make it up. I got it from some Quaker guy years ago. Good people go stupid every day. Good people go stupid every day. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Then you need to read Ecclesiastes. and went incredibly stupid at the end of his life. David, a man after God's own heart, had Bathsheba's husband killed so he could sleep with her. Really cost him and his family. Good people go stupid. But thank God for the word of God that says, if you and I sin, 1 John 1, 9, we can run boldly to the throne of grace, get mercy and help in time of need, repent of our sin, and God will not only forgive us, but he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Tell me how many times, how many times you repent a day? A bunch. You know, that's what Jesus, what Jesus you know, Peter asked the Lord, oh, Lord, just how many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? Seven times a day? Oh, no, 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 son, no, no. Be 70 times seven. Well, that's like 490. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like all the time. You got the point. That'd be like all day long. You pretty much understand it. Because <laughs> if you don't sow it, you don't reap it. So I want successful children, not perfect children. I want successful children. But they have to believe that in their heart. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we're here in August. I talked about the cards we still have on the table because I think we sold that the last time we were here. We made up the three by five cards for our kids because, you know, my kids, you know, I'm trying to get them to read their Bible, and they would sometimes, sometimes they wouldn't, you know. And I said, when's the last time you read your Bible? Last week. That's not going to work. The devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of Christ in you coming out of your mouth. The devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of the Word of God in you. You better get it in because the only offensive weapon you possess is the spoken Word of God. If you don't say it, it can't happen. God is not a human. He doesn't feel sorry for me. He doesn't feel sorry for you. God watches over his word to perform it. Therefore, if you don't know any word, you're probably not going to succeed. So you go through all the scriptures, just the three basic ones, Joshua 1, 7, and 8, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, Psalm 90, verse 12. If you fear God, lighten his commandments, you will prosper and have good success. All three scriptures say the same thing. If I get in the word of God, I will prosper, have good success. I'll prosper, have good success. The whole world's trying to prosper, have good success. Where do you get that? Fear of God is the doorway. You fear God, it sort of comes with, it's a boxcar. It comes with a train. But you've got to start there. And then you've got to get yourself in the Word of God on a regular basis. You don't get a gold star next to your name because you read your Bible. You get faith. And the Bible has all kinds of faith. Great faith, little faith, weak faith, no faith. Faith is a muscle. The more you use it, the more it grows. The less you use it, the less it grows. You've got to use your faith on a regular basis, every day you and I get to believe God for something. Every day. And because people don't know that, and I only did, we like I said, we do about 80 seminars a year. This is our 22nd year, 23rd year. We only go to churches. I, I don't deal with unbelievers. It's just rare. I had one big banquet this year with a lot of unbelievers, and that was a rare thing. I only deal with Christians, and Christians seem to, well, why did God let this happen? And I don't understand why it happened. I said, this happened because you live on an alien planet. 
2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is the legal God of this world. He got that authority from Adam. John 10, 10, he kills, steals, and destroys. You are behind enemy lines. Ephesians 6, 10, that's why you got to put your armor on, your helmet, your breastplate, your shoes, your sword, your, your shield. you got to load up. Why? It's a war. You're not trying to protect yourself. God promised to be your rear guard, your high tower, deliver you from evil. You're an offensive weapon. You're to storm the gates of hell. Now, we laugh when I say it, but I said, you job, every morning you wake up, you ought to make the devil break out into a cold sweat. Like, oh, my God, they're up. Yes, we are. And if God could interview, what are you going to do today, son? Well, Father, I'm looking for some hell. Trying to find me some hell. I am a hell-storming, hell-stomping machine. We're going to storm the gates of hell. Your son said so, Matthew 16, verse 30. I am looking for the gates of hell. I'm looking for people that are sick, in bondage, broke, poor, orphan, abandoned. I'm looking for hell. I am a hell-fixing machine. Because if I'm not fixing hell, I'm thumb-sucking about it. And all you got to do is poke somebody, get them in a five-minute conversation. You'll mark them because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You're either griping about hell or bragging about some hell you've whipped. There's only two ways you can go. The Bible said in Revelation 12, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What testimony? Well, you have to have a test where you have a money. You got to have a testimony. We're being tested all the time. God took the children of Israel to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, and ten times he tested them. Bitter water, no water, no food. Well, we should stay in Egypt. Thank God there's no water, and there's bitter water, and there's no food, and where's God at? He's right in the middle of it. He's trying to get you to use your faith. But they wouldn't do it. And after the tenth test and they failed, God told them in number six, he said, fine. God Almighty said, I'll give you what you say. You want to die in the wilderness? I will give you what you say. I didn't want you to die in the wilderness. I wanted to bless you with a land of milk and honey, a land of more than enough. Make it the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I wanted to show off to the world through you, but you don't want it. You want a thumb suck. Fine. You want to drop dead? I will give you what you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness. Forty years had to pass. Why? Every one of them there, 40 years said, you're going to stay till you all drop dead. I'm not taking you. I'm tired of your thumb sucking. I don't deal with thumb suckers. It's, it's a bumper sticker in Texas. <laughs> so with that in mind, i got a great story. This is real good. When I taught out of Eggermeyer's Bible story book those 10 years I was teaching chapel in that Christian school because I was running out of sermons. Lord, I was running out of sermons. Like, oh, my goodness, I've gone through the Bible so many times. And I tell people, people say, where'd you learn the Bible? What kind of Bible school did you go to? I said, I went to a great Bible school. That's not where I learned the Bible. I learned the Bible teaching chapel. 175 to 177 days a year. Had to come up with a sermon. And I got it out of Edgar Meyer's Bible story book. You can still find it at Barnes Noble, WordPress. You know, you can order it. It's a big hardback book. This wonderful Baptist lady, 88 years old, went from Genesis to Revelation. Every major story in the Bible, she converted to one page of modern English. And she's got the chapter and verse that she got it from. One page of modern English of every major story. So you go from Genesis to Revelation, and I got three revelations. God's good devil's bad people are stupid that's pretty much what i got out of going through that book and i went through that book 10 times in 10 years people said where'd you learn the bible eggemeyers i went through it 10 times in 10 years every major story in the bible god is always trying to get people to do something god wants to show off through people the problem with people is they want to draw back god says i take no pleasure in those that draw back god is looking for bold people who want to do big bold things God is a show-off. Heaven's gaudy. Martha Stewart did not decorate in heaven. It's real gaudy. You ever read about heaven? The foundation, they didn't use any concrete. 
It's all rubies, silver, gold, pearls, diamonds, barrel. It's really nice, gaudy. The gate's massive. You ever, you ever how tall that gate is going into heaven, the four sides of heaven, and the gates? They're made out of one solid pearl, a solid pearl. I, I don't know where the oyster's at, but buddy, that, that was a big fish fry. I guarantee you, that was one big fish fry. The streets are paved with gold so pure you can see through it. The purest gold in the universe. That's what you walk on. The angels around the throne don't have two wings. All angels have two wings except the ones around God. They have six wings. He's real God. They, got, they don't have two eyeballs. They have eyeballs on every side of their head. <laughs> God's gaudy. There's a laser light show going on behind. What's that, heaven? God's gaudy. He's a show-off. God loves to show off. God loves to be thanked for showing off. God inhabits praise. So, I love these stories. This is my favorite, and it's very rare. Somebody evidently just wrote a book on it, but this is this old sermon. This is 2 Samuel. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20 through 23. It's a real short sermon. These are all the mighty men of David. Now, you've got to read this because it's a science fiction movie. If you read the mighty men of David and what they did, you, you put that in a movie, people would walk out about halfway through. They wouldn't believe it. Nobody did that. David's men did. Now, David's got one big army, 800,000 men. He's never lost a battle, whipped everybody that got in front of him. Not only does he have 800,000 men that will stomp anything and anybody, from the 800,000, he's got 30 mighty men that are special. These are the special forces. You do not want to mess with these guys, not even remotely. Smile real big, just don't even look at them. Just walk on by. From the 30, he's got three out of the 30 that the 30 don't want to mess with. These three boys right here do stuff if you told it, uh, there's no way. Oh, no, they're, they're bad boys. He's got the three. Well, David gets a thought one day. I need a personal bodyguard. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff happening, and I got my 800,000. I got my 30 loyal troops. I got these three that will die for me right now, but I, I need a personal bodyguard. So he starts taking resumes. Boys, which one do you think you might like to be my personal number one big hoss bodyguard? They're shoving in their resumes. Now, in the middle of all that, and I'm stretching this from the message translation, so hang with me here. In the middle of all that, we hear this story about this one guy who was not among the 800,000. He's not among the 30. He's not among the three. This is a guy who doesn't seem to have a whole lot going on, except he, he's been doing some stuff. So I'm just going to read it, verse 20. This is, this is the list of all the mighty men, and this guy's name pops up. There was also Benaiah, the son of Jehadiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion into a pit and killed it. Now, if you're just reading your daily devotional, you read that? What? Well, on a snowy day, he chased a lion into a pit and killed it. Now, the first time I read that, I thought, why? <laughs> Number one, what are you doing outside in the snow to begin with? Number two, what are you doing chasing a lion? And he jumped in the pit, and you went in after him? You're not normal. <laughs> Once armed with only a club, he killed an opposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Now, according to all, if you add up all the things, this guy was over seven foot, six inches tall. Got a spear the size of a weaver's beam. A weaver's beam is four inches by four inches thick. It's a four-by-four four post with a big sharp thing on the end of it. Now, this guy, but now he wrenched the thing out of the guy's hand and killed him with his own weapon. 
you don't want to mess with this guy. Then it goes on and says this, deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more awed than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. Sort of a short story. You can read over in 2 Chronicles. It kind of gives the same story like, well, who was this guy? Well, I don't know. It's like, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you eight points. And this is thus saith Joe McGee, not thus saith the Lord. Because I'm thinking, when I read that, chase the lion into a pit on a snowy day. Huh. Got nothing going on. Like, got no MTV. There's no hamburgers you want to hang out at. You're not watching your iTunes phone. You just got nothing going on. It's just a normal snowy day. What are you going to do today? I don't know. You might find me a lion. Chase him in a hole. What about you? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> now what? I will just give you the upfront. What Benaiah is looking for is a resume. You ever going to apply for a job in your early years? It's real intimidating. You get out of school, get out of high school, get out of college. And I need a job. Well, who's hiring? Well, I hear Bitty Bob's hiring. Oh, they're hiring. Praise God. My friend got a job. I'll go see if Bitty Bob will hire me. So you go down and, hey, I'm a friend of, you know, Jimmy Bob. I need a job for Bitty Bob. They said, well, we need you to fill out an application. Well, I thought you were hiring. We are, but we need you to fill out an application. Well, I just told you my name. We need you to fill out an application. Oh, okay. And you fill out an application. And somewhere on that, they want a resume. They want to know what you've done, where you've been, what you've accomplished. Which isn't much because it's your first job. So you get ready to write stuff down like, well, I'm out of school. I got out of school. Are you hiring people that got out of school? Uh, We really don't have a job related to that. So you fill it out and you go for the interview. And I remember sitting there. I remember sitting that first interview and said, well, Look at this and uh, exactly what have you done in life? What? Well, what are your skills? What skills do you have? And I said this. I said, well, I'm a real good trout fisherman. I'm good at catching trout, not trout fishing. I'm good at duck hunting, shoot duck. We don't have any openings for that. That wasn't funny to him. So what have you done? Well, I've got out of school. But what can you do? Can you weld? No. You're a carpenter? No. Got any millwright capability? No. Well, we don't need you. See, I grew up thinking in America, people hired you because you needed a job. I need a job, and it's America. God bless America. They're going to hire me because I need a job. No, they're not. Not if you can't do anything. People don't hire you because you need, well, bless your heart, you don't need a job. You're just what we're looking for. We hire people who need jobs. Well, people hire people that can do things, accomplish things. And so it didn't take long to realize, I don't have a resume. And I remember I told one guy, it was like my seventh interview, he said, I can't get a resume until you hire me. Well, we can't hire you without a resume. Well, I'm stuck. I'm like the middle of an Oreo cookie, except there's no creamy stuff there. It's just me. <laughs> and it was so frustrating. And so I remember I started volunteering. I volunteered as a brick mason helper to, you know, learn how to make mud. And I volunteered uh, working with my dad's company as an electrician's helper. And so if I, you ever, you're an electrician? No, but I can help one. I've done that. I'll pull some wires. Okay, we can use a wire puller. You know, can you shovel stuff? Oh, I can shovel, you know. Cleaned out dairy barns. That doesn't take a lot of talent for that. You do need a square-end shovel, though. Not a round one. I showed up with a round one. 
Because if you've ever been to a dairy barn, the trough behind the cow, you know, the behind, it's a square trough. It catches the stuff that comes out of the behind of the cow. Now, there's a nice guy milking about two foot up from you. He's got a good job. He just hooks the things up. <laughs> You're the behind guy. Now, there's another guy less than him. He's feeding the cow on the front end on the other side. He's putting the hay in. He's getting the milk. I'm the shovel guy. I get the shovel. And I shovel a lot of stuff. Fresh stuff. Can't let it sit. It gets stuck. So out behind the barn, big pile of stuff. What'd you do? I shoveled a lot of stuff. I'm a stuff shoveler. You need any stuff to be shoveling? I'm the man because I got experience shoveling stuff. I'm cleaning it up a lot, you know. It was humbling. It was incredibly humbling. And so I made sure all my kids going to college had a job somewhere. You're going to have experience, not just a piece of paper. So all my girls worked as tellers and banks because, man, you get, if you can run a calculator, all my girls took a 10-key course. And I've shared this so many times. For $39.95, you can go to any junior college in America for 10 nights in a row. You learn to run a 10-key calculator. If you can run a 10-key, you can get a job at any bank in America. Making $15 to $18 an hour, you'll work in the heat, you know, when it's cold, and you'll work in the nice cool when it's hot outside, and you work around people who have money. That's better than working at a McDonald's for minimum wage, slinging hash about midnight. So, my son, make sure he can well. We're going to do, you're going to well. What? I don't care. Shut up. Lower your hood and get stuck. We're going to learn how to do something. You need a skill. People don't hire you because you need a job. They hire you because you can help them do something. What can you help somebody do? And America's consumed today with somebody owes me. Nobody owes you nothing. Nobody owes you anything. So here we have Benaiah. Now, he's not one of the 800, evidently. He's not one of the 30. He's not one of the, what's he looking for? A position in David's army. What do you need? I need a promotion. I need a promotion. Why are you whipping all this stuff? You got nothing to do? You just like going out and beating up stuff? No. I'm trying to build a resume. So here he is. He's out walking one day. He's just out walking in the snow. It doesn't snow a lot in Asia, in case you've ever been over there, but it does every now and then. So he's in the snow. Now, I assume he's outside on a snowy day because he's looking for something to eat. There's not like a McDonald's or a Hardee's or a drive-thru. He's looking for lunch. So he's out hunting. All of a sudden, he spots a lion. Now, Asian lions weigh in about 500 pounds. It's a big boy. He sees the lion, and the lion sees him. Now, if you ever watch any National Geographic films, there's never a National Geographic film where a human's chasing a lion, ever, at all. The lions are always chasing something else. When a lion kills something, he bites it on the back of the neck, snaps it, and kills him. Lions eat things from behind. Lions catch things from behind because things are running away from the lion. When you see a lion, you run the other direction. This lion's 500 pounds. He's an adult lion, man. You know, and all of a sudden, he's, he's never had anything look back at him. So he stops, and the lion says, hey, I see lunch. Well, Benaiah's there. He's looking for lunch. And he says, hey, lunch. The lion stops. The problem is the human stared right back at him and sort of grinned really weird. Benaiah's thinking, I just found me a resume. Got me a resume. Lion's thinking, I found lunch. No. Humans not running. Humans are supposed to run. Lion stepped toward Benai. Benai stepped toward the lion. No, wrong, human. Wrong. You're supposed to run. And so the, I'm thinking for the lion, think, lion, think, this human's wacky. Wacky meat. Bad meat. Got something. Not good. Can't eat this lion. Got some wacky meat. I mean, this human. Not good. And so the lion thinks, no, I'm going to eat that human. That's a wacky human. 
So the lion turns to walk away from the human, and the human takes a step with him like, oh, crazy human. <laughs> Got bad stuff, something wrong with it. So the lion picks up a trot. Get away from that, like a human. Promise the human picked up a trot, grinning bigger. Hey, oh, not good. And the lion breaks into a run. I'm not making this up. This lion, not good. Lion is running from the human. Lions don't run from humans unless humans are chasing them. And the lion's looking back, trying to, crazy human, crazy human coming. Lion didn't notice, fell in the hole. <laughs> Whoa. Now, lions are like big kitty cats. When they land, they land on all four paws. So there's lion in the hole, out of breath. Like, oh my goodness, I'm in a hole on a snowy day. He looks up, and all of a sudden, the wacky human's looking down. Hey. Oh, man, crazy human. The Bible says that the knife backed up from the hole. Like, you need to back up, Goofy. You shouldn't even been chasing lion to begin with. Also, Benai gets up a head start and runs toward the hole and runs and jumps down into the hole. Now, if this was a movie, you know, that's about time you go get your sandwich in the kitchen because this isn't going to go good. So I'm sure there's a lot of noise, you know, grab records. The first thing Benai is going to meet on the way down is his mouth. You know, mouth's on the top, big open. <laughs> it's the first thing Benai's coming in contact with. So I'm saying he hits in the hole, there's a lot of noise, growl, 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 whack, 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 who knows what, and it gets real quiet all of a sudden. You think, man, that was a stupid thing to do. All of a sudden, out of the hole comes this human. Got the stupid grin on his face. Covering blood and smiling real weird. What'd you do? Got myself a resume. Where's he going now? He's looking for King David. What do you want? I want a job. What do you got? Got me a resume. Now watch this. David's sitting there. David's sitting there. And he's, he's listening. He's, what are you doing? Well, I'm looking. I need a personal bodyguard. And I've had all my top guys fill out resumes. And, you know, what'd you do? Well, I went to the War College of Jerusalem for three years, studied fighting, whatever. That's good. And what'd you do? And, and all of a sudden, he gets this piece of paper. And there's nothing on it except this statement. Killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. That's all it said. Hey, 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 who says this? What? Who submitted this thing? Well, there's a guy sitting out here. Well, what's his name? We don't know. He's not one of us. What? Yeah, he's not one of us. And he filled out a resume? Yeah. Killed a lion in a pit on a snow. Is that all? You got nothing else on here? That's it? That's it. Get him in here. This is David. David whip anything, you know. So he brings Benai and says, this yours? Yeah. You killed a lion in the pit on a snowy day? Yeah. Anything else? Well, there's some other. I figured that'd be enough. You chased him? Yeah. Into the hole? Yeah. And you killed him? I'm here. And I'm going to mention it. You're my man. No more resumes. I got my guy right here. That's the guy I want. I want a guy. I got to chase a lot of the pillows. That is my man. You're my man. And so he made him his personal bodyguard. And five verses later, he made him captain over his whole army. He got promoted real quick. What well, got you promoted? Was your degree from Hebrew University? Uh-uh. I killed me a lion. I'm in a pit <laughs> on a snowy day. <laughs> Whoa. Top that one. <laughs> I tell my kids, when you go through life, when you get to heaven and you sit among the heroes of faith around the supper table for seven years, you better have a story. What you didn't like, I'm going to heaven, little heart, 
my heart. My daddy left my mama. My mother didn't love me. My teacher wouldn't pass me. My coach wouldn't play me. My wife left me. My dog beat me. <sighs> Have a chicken leg. Because you're going to hear a lot of testimonies around that supper table. That's why it's going to take seven years. What did you do in life? I just tried to get through Because that's what the world's conditioning us to do by the time we're 18. What are you trying to do? Just get through. Just get accepted. Just get a job. And don't die early. Well, that's not much. God's looking for heroes of faith. God's looking for somebody to show himself strong. And now listen to this. These are my eight points. I like this. Just give you this. Number one, we are inspired by people who face their fears and chase their dreams. Barnes & Noble does a great business selling books like this. You go to their section on the biographies and the non-fiction section, fiction section kind of a waste of time. They didn't do it. Somebody made it up and it didn't happen. Just a thought. <laughs> what is that? It's not true. Well, I might want to read something that's true. Revelation 12, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. You don't have a testimony unless there was a test. God's testing us all the time. He's not trying to make us look stupid or fail. He's trying to give us an opportunity to get a testimony. Overcome, more than a conqueror. You know, do something big. But we, if we miss that. If we miss that part of using our faith and believing God. Every time something bad happens, we blame God. Well, it was an act of God. I guess God just wanted this to happen because God's all powerful. I teach it every time I come. God's not in charge of anything. He made the planet. He gave it to Adam. Adam gave it away. God's not allowed down here. That's why the only way God could come down here was to be born down here. He wasn't allowed here. A human lost it. A human had to get it night. Silent night, holy night, weep through kings of orient arts. The Christmas story. A human lost it. A human had to get it back. If Jesus did anything as God, though he was God. Jesus is the second member of the Godhead. Jesus is the one that created the 93 billion known galaxies. Jesus is the one that holds it together by the power of his word. But he's in a human body. When he came as a man, who's in that human body? Creator of the universe. Where? In that human body. You're kidding. Uh -uh. But he cannot do anything as God. If he does, he cheated. A man lost it. A man's got to get it back. If Jesus did anything as God, he cheated. And the devil knows that's not legal. That's why Jesus said, the things I do, you'll do. I'm going to show you how to do them. How'd you do it? By faith, just like you. I prayed, just like you. I didn't do anything you're not going to have to do. And you'll do the same and even greater things than these. So all of a sudden, I love reading books about people who overcame great odds. And I, I collect them, I call the Heroes of Faith. They did with my high school students years ago about how, you know, people like Thomas Edison got kicked out of the fourth grade. His fourth grade teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything. He's got over a thousand patents to his name. Abraham Lincoln only went to one year of school. He went to the fourth grade. It's the only school he went to. Put himself through law school with a fourth grade education. Became president, saved our nation. Everybody, everybody you met's done something and faced some kind of hell. Because I'm only in churches, it gets old after a while. Like, we just don't understand why this happened. Why did this happen? Well, well, shut your face up. Doesn't matter why it happened. Your job's to fix it. Your job's to storm the gates of hell and fix hell, not thumbsuck about it. You know? I mean, we've done it. We've done it. We built our first church just like we built our first, we, the first edition of our church building there at Grace. And it's like, oh my God, it monsoon for a week. It, it, it leaked under the walls, it wasn't just muddy. Water's coming under our walls. The wall filled up. The gutter didn't work right. It filled the walls up and the sheetrock bust like Hoover Dam. Like, praise God. We're going to build a new building and the devil just tore the snot out of this one. Praise God. 
we tried to go forward, we backed up three steps, you know. Well, what we realized was a stupid gutter. We needed to fix it. And the reason the water came out of the wall, we had the wrong level on the dirt outside. Had it on monsoon, we'd have built another building right on top of that, and we'd have flooded everything. So God said, hey, you got some problems you don't know about, so I'm going to flood it and show you. I really love you. We got it. It got all paid for, and we fixed it. So anyhow, I realized something. I love to read about people that overcome stuff. Because if you don't, you'll think you're the only one. You just don't know what I've been through. Now, don't, please don't take this wrong. Denise gets so mad when I say this. I'll be honest with you, people really don't care what you've been through. They don't. They're going through their own stuff. Test trials come to everybody. The devil's no respecter of persons. Do you understand it? Well, you just don't know. You don't know what they've been through. They're just not gum flapping about it. You understand it? So keep your mouth shut, smile real big, and go be a blessing, sow some seed. I like this. Number two. Number two. <laughs> Normal people don't chase lions. Normal people don't chase lions. I mean, I said it. Frank, what are you going to do today? I don't go find me a lion and chase it. You want to go with me? No, I got to go home and mow some grass. I don't think I'm, no, I won't, I won't go there. So why did he do that? Why would anybody, you got to think, this was a normal person. His name's Mitch. What'd you do? Chase me a lion. What for? Why would you do that? Are you stupid? You got nothing else going on? I'm looking for a resume. If I kill me a lion, you're going to know about it. God saw it recording for generations. Kill me a lion. God said, I'm going to write that one down. Put that one in the book. That story's going in the book. Number three, God is in the resume building business. I don't care what kind of hell you're going through this morning. Everybody's going through something this morning. Everybody's sitting there is going through something. God's trying to build your resume. Now, it depends on how you handle it, so whether you get one or not. Because most people want to cry. <sighs> Listen, people, we've all been through hell. I've told you the stories. I've had drunk drivers hit my baby's head on after us in the emergency room. Corey, my, my Corey was 18 months old when she started dying of spinal meningitis intensive care for 10 days, dying. My doctor, Spirit Field, she's dying. Like, what did I do? I didn't do nothing. There's a devil. He hates everybody, including little babies. Devil doesn't play fair. What's your job? Be more than a conquering overcomer. That's why I got a shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. What do you get to do? I get to whip hell. I'm a, well, I'm a hell whipping machine. That's what I do. So every time you get a bad report, the first thing the devil wants you to do is get and turn in. What I and what I and what? It doesn't matter. Get up and do something. We need somebody that wants to run down the hill and kill a big old 10-foot, 2-inch lion to, uh, giant and take his head off. That got him a lot of dates that night. I guarantee you the women were sucking lips off David's fate by sundown. They were singing songs. Saul's killed his thousands. David's killed his 10,000. He didn't kill 10,000. He killed one big ugly guy. We got him a good job. Number four, God-given opportunities are disguised as man-eating lions. I got a good friend of mine just got diagnosed with cancer. He whipped it twice. <laughs> He's looking at it a third time. What are going to do? Get to whip it again. I'm going to get to whip it again. So we were just up there with him at Christmas time. It's like, and you can tell it was messing with him. Great guy, man of faith. It was messing with him. Like, and we whipped it twice. It was gone. It's been gone. Per perfect. All since back. What are we going to do? Well, you do it again. Do what again? Not like, why, do I, well, why did it come back? Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're not going to do a survey. Well, let's take a survey. Why do you think it came back? Let's just find. Why do you think, even if you get the answer, what's that going to do? You still got to get rid of it. It doesn't matter why it came back. You still got to get rid of it. Well, we just got the report. It's down to about 2%. It's almost gone. He's, he's whipped it again. What'd you do? I whipped it three times. You know, if you bat 333, they put you in the Hall of Fame. That means you struck out two-thirds of the time. You ever been to the Baseball Hall of Fame? The guys that are in there struck out two-thirds of the time. How'd you get here? I struck out two-thirds of the time. 
They think I'm special. <laughs> Number five, Benaiah was chasing a position in David's administration. He wasn't crazy. When are you going to kill this line? I need a resume, and I don't have anything else in front of me. I'll kill this thing, and it'll make me famous. Number six, how we react when we encounter our lines will determine our destiny. What are we going to do? You know, Corey's dying in that hospital. I'm sitting there. What do you know? Jesus heals. Are you sure? Yeah, I just got out of Bible school. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. God is not only Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. By his stripes, I was healed. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is poverty, sickness, and death. What's going on? My baby's sick and she's dying. What do you know? I've been redeemed from that. What's going on? There's a devil. He doesn't play fair. Why did it happen? Don't have a clue and don't care. If there's something I need to change, God, let me know. Right now, I'm going to say what God says. How do you whip the devil? Somebody's got to speak the word of God. When Jesus faced hell, he talked to it. He spoke to the mountain. He spoke to the wave. He spoke to the devil. He spoke to the dead person. He speaks not about it, to it. Here's what God says. He whipped the devil three times in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. It is written. So for 10 days, all we need to do is say what God says. What's going on? My baby's going to live and not die. She's got the ear of the learning when they said she's dead. She's got the mind of Christ when they said she's mentally retarded. Like I said, she runs my publishing company today down here in Franklin. She can hear you all the way across the room. She hears real good. For 10 days, we looked at hell. Why? I don't know, and I don't care. I really don't. All I did is we're going to overcome this. Every time something happens, what the devil wants to do is well, you don't fight it. You just want to worry about it, think about it, gun fluff. No, we've got to figure out what God said about this. There's got to be some scripture on this. Let's fight it. The redeemed of the Lord are going to say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. We're going to start saying something. I love this story because this guy on purpose went to get himself a resume. What do you need? A job. How are you going to get one? I need a resume. What are you going to do? I don't know. And he saw a line. I guarantee he wasn't thinking. He didn't get up thinking to kill a line that day. He just saw one. What is that? Hmm, that's an opportunity. That lion thought, this guy's whack. And he got the lion. And God saw fit to put it in. Now look at this. I'll give you two more. Number seven in his book, If Only. Dr. Mill made this is a great book, If Only, because people go through life. There's two kinds of regret in life. Regrets of action, regrets of inaction. Every one of us in here this morning has done something incredibly stupid. You know, because we got flesh. You ever sinned and just done something stupid? Man, that was stupid. What do you do about sin? The only thing you do is repent. You can repent. That's all you can do. What would you do? Man, Father, that was stupid. Did you do that? Yes, I did. Did you plan to do it? I'll be honest with you. I did pre-think it. You did it anyhow. Mm, how's it working out for you? Not too good. So sins of action I can repent of and get that off of me. God will not only forgive me and cleanse me. He'll take my sins and bury them in the depths of the sea. There will be no record of my sin in heaven. God redeems me by the blood of his son. I am clean. How often? Well, 1 John 1, 9 you know, Apostle John said, if a believer says they don't sin, they're a liar. A Christian who says they don't sin, that's a liar. Because you and I are still growing in his grace and in his knowledge. The righteous fall seven times a day, we get back up. We're not the perfect people, we're the getting back up people. You've got to learn to repent quick and forgive quick. Repent quick, forgive. But I tell so many people, I just can't stop. I just can't keep doing it. Shut your face up. God says you can. God says he can grow you up. He can redeem you from this. Give you victory over this. Give you, we're going to say what you're saying or we're going to say what God's saying. Let's go with what God's saying. We're going to get redeemed and cleansed and we're going to put this in the depths and you're going to be strong in the Lord and the power is mine. And we're going to get us a testimony out of this. So all of a sudden you go through the process and you realize, what are you going to do? I'm going to learn something. So we got the regret. I can get out of that. Here's the other, here's the other kind of regret of action. It's the regret of inaction. Now one thing I loved about my family is they lived to be really, really old. So you'd sit around and you hear and the saddest stories are the regrets of inaction. You know, I remember back in 47, 
I could have done that. I could have gone out and I could have played and I could have done this. I love my dad. My dad was kind of my hero growing up. My father, coming out of Ducktown High School, was recruited by the University of Tennessee, the University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Vanderbilt to play football. He was a phenomenal football player. He scored five and seven touchdowns in a game. Nobody could catch. They called him swivel hips. He just. But he fell in love. Fell in love with my mom, redheaded Irish woman. And so they got married Christmas Eve of their senior year and didn't tell anybody. Two months later, she got pregnant. Well, she's pregnant, and they don't know that she's married. Well, she is married. So all of a sudden, now she's got to tell, hey, we're actually, we're married. We just didn't tell anybody. Was trying to. And so he quit school and go, got a job with a survey company in the state of Tennessee. Didn't play football for anybody. I'm the result. Instead of a football scholarship, you're looking at me. So, so my dad just like, hot dog, what happened? Well, we have a regret of inaction. You could have waited to get married. You could have waited to get mom pregnant. You could have gone to college. could have gone there for free, played a lot of football. And, you know, who knows how much money you could have made, you know. It could have been something. Instead, you worked swing shift for 13 years, making barely over minimum wage, lived in a little 900-square-foot rent house. My dad was happy. loved God. Went to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Paid his tithe. God blessed him. Retired really good. Worked for DuPont. And he finally went back to night school four years, became an electrician. God blessed my father. But he had some real regrets. You know, I could have. I could have. Wouldn't you hate to grow to be 99 and sit around? You know, I could. I could have. I, I, I could have. You go through life one time. One time. You get one time to go through life. Do what God's asked you to do. You're married, you get one shot. You have kids, it's a one shot. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to do real good. I've got today. Today's the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to do something really good today. I'm going to leave people better than I find them. I'm going to do really good. What about tomorrow? Don't know about tomorrow. I'm taking care of today. Somewhere you've got to get inside yourself where I'm going to do something with my life. Then the last, and I like, I wrote this. We can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. We can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. I've so pushed my kids because I love them. I went to the University of Tennessee for a year. They didn't kick me out. They just said I can never, ever come back. <laughs> I love Tennessee, but I've got a letter from them that said I can never go back, ever. For legal reasons, I don't go into because I was a heathen back then. So, you know, I spent seven years going to night school for what my daddy would have paid for for free. And, you know, I could have gone to the University of Tennessee and had a piece of paper that said it on it, but I don't. I've told the story so many times. I went to Oral Roberts University, and I finished the master's program in education. And so it's my last year, and I've actually taught a couple of the classes. And, and Dr. Jernigan brought me down and said, Joe, Joe, because I'm getting ready to get my master's. <laughs> Joe, we can't find your bachelor's degree anywhere. I'm teaching a class in the master's program for Dr. Don Petrie that started CBN. I'm teaching one of his classes. This is my last year. And they come in, in the middle, Joe, we can't find your bachelor's degree. I said, well, probably not. Where's it at? And I said, I don't have one. <laughs> now, I'm not making this up. Guess what? And, and the doctor says, you got to have one. How would you get in the master's program? They said I needed it. <laughs> I just showed up. And my first class I, was Dr. Petrie, you know, and he had to go to back to Columbia, Missouri, because he taught in Missouri, at the University of Missouri. He asked me to take his first class. So I just stepped up and I taught my first class that I was in. I didn't go to the office fill out any paperwork. I didn't think I needed to. You don't have a bachelor's? Uh-uh. What do you got? I got a lot. I've been spent seven years in night school. Got all kinds of stuff. Well, bring your transcripts in. 
So I brought him in the next day. Now I'm finished up the master's program. So I'm, and there's a stack of papers. And so he's going through it, about 30 minutes. And finally he said, can I ask you a question? I said, what's it? What were you trying to become? I said, employed. <laughs> I said, if they said I needed something, I went and took a class. I've been trigonometry, calculus, gear ratios, electrical stuff. I took all kinds of leadership. I took all kinds of, Joe, none of this goes together. I said, I wasn't trying to make it go together. I was trying to get a raise. <laughs> trying to get a raise. Trying to get a resume. <laughs> and so, so Oral Roberts rolled all my master's onto my bachelor's to make me legal. So I do not have a piece of paper that says I have a master's degree. But I do. Talk to other classes. I just can't prove it. Whatever you're going through this morning, God has a way out. There was a way out before it ever showed up in your life. God's trying to show off in your life. All he needs is you to trust him. You say, what am I going to do? I don't know, but you're his sheep. He's your shepherd. You'll hear his voice. He'll talk to you. He will order your steps, direct your paths. He'll guide you in all truth. He will show you things to come. He will work all things out to your good. I don't care how it happened. I don't care if it was your fault or it wasn't your fault. God is real stinking good all the time. He wants to show off in you and get you a testimony. So whatever it is, there's an answer. So people say, how do I find it? I said, the greatest thing I can give you in closing this morning is this. God inhabits praise. Best thing you'll ever do is get your armpits open. What are you going to do? I don't know, but God does. Father, I'm just going to take a minute and thank you that I don't know what's going on, but you do. And you're going to work all things out to my good. And I just want to take a minute and just thank you and sing to you. You're so stinking good. You've blessed me. You order my steps, Father. You've saved me, redeemed me. I got my name written down in the landscape of life. Father, you're so good. I just want to tell you how much I love you. And sing them a song. Make one up if you don't know one. God inhabits praise. If the devil's in your head and under your armpits, back him off by singing to God. You start singing to God, angels show up. A lot of wing flapping going on. Demons will run back to hell. I'm telling you. I've had more people test me and say, you know, I just started thanking God, and I had a thought. I said, you know, that's how it happens. You start singing to God. <laughs> it's Proverbs 16, 3 and 9. Commit your works to God. God establishes your thoughts. You make a plan. God orders your steps. Commit your works to God. God establishes your thoughts. You make a plan. God orders your steps. You move, God moves. You move, God moves. You move, God moves. You don't move, God doesn't move. He won't cheat. It's like playing checkers. You move first. How? Father, I just want to thank you. I don't know what's going on, but you do. I don't know what I'm going to do, but you do. I don't have an answer, but you do. Father, I want to take a minute and just go ahead and thank you in advance that you're going to work all things out to my good. I'm going to come out of this thing smelling like a rose. When people ask me about the hope that's in me, 1 Peter 3, I'm going to tell it was your son that saved me, redeemed me, filled me with the Holy Ghost, and delivered me. And you're going to get yourself a testimony. It's going to be a jubilee year if you let God. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Now, I don't know what your lion is, and I don't know where the pit is, but you know, Goliath's not going to run from you. You're going to have to chase him. David chased Goliath. But Aniah chased the lion. And I know how it is when people are in trouble. And I've been there. I've been there. We were in financial trouble, marriage trouble, and you run from it. Maybe it'll go away. It's not going to go away. It's going to get friends and get bigger. So the greatest thing you'll ever do is turn around and face what you're dealing with. Father... I'm not running anymore. I am the righteous of God, and the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked are going to flee, but not me, Father. We're going to have ourselves a victory and get ourselves a testimony. You've got to just start with your mouth by saying what God says. Amen.
Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. According to your word, Father, you have redeemed us from the curse of the law, which was poverty, which was sickness, and which was death. We're redeemed by the blood of your son, Jesus, Father. He paid the price. That blood's on the mercy seat in heaven right now. When you see us, you see the blood of your son. We are accepted in the beloved. We can run boldly to your throne to get mercy and help in time of need, Father. So, Father, help us to be obedient children of God and do that, not to pull back, not to draw back. I declare by faith, may 2015 be a jubilee year for us, Father, where things are made right. If the devil stole from us, Father, in the past, he owes us back seven times whatever he stole. I believe this is the year, Father. We're going to do exactly what you called and gifted us to do. You're going to open doors for us that no man can shut. You're going to shut doors that no man can open. We are going to be in the right place at the right time, and we're going to be a blessing, Father. We determine now that we're going to leave everything and everybody better than we found it. We will be the salt and the light in our life this year. We thank you for that opportunity in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Heads bowed just for 60 seconds. Nobody moving for one short minute. Every head bowed, all the eyes closed. Two questions. Nobody looking. Two questions. Are you here this morning to say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have never, ever asked him into my heart, but God's been dealing with me, and I'd like to do something about that right now. If that's you, I would like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. The Bible says this, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I am not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm simply going to ask you just to simply raise your hand and wave it at me and put it right back down in a few minutes. If that's you, God will save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. God will make you a new creature in Christ. It's that simple. Or perhaps you hear this one and say, Joe, I'm saved. I just haven't been living for God lately. My life's not turned out quite like I thought. But Joe, I've been convicted this morning. I've seen something. I'm ready to get serious with God. I let Jesus save me, but I've not let him be Lord of my life. So Joe, this morning, I want to rededicate my life. I'm ready to allow Jesus to come to be the Lord of my life, my family, my future, my finance, my faith. Joe, I'm ready for the Lordship of Jesus. If that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer we're going to pray with these other people out of Romans. And God in heaven will forgive you every sin you have ever committed in a moment of time. God will take your sin as far as the east is from the west. Put it in the depths of the sea. There will be no record of your sin in heaven. And God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from him. It'll never get easier than this. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again this morning. Would you pray that prayer over me? Or, Joe, that's me. I want to rededicate my life. If that's you on either count right now, would you simply just get your hand up, waving at me real good, and put it right back down? Joe, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your bonus. Thank you there. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am, right there. Anyone else? Thank you over there. Yes, I see your hand over there. See your hand up there. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? It'll never get easier than this. God does the saving. God does the forgiving. He just needs your permission. Anyone else before we pray? Joe, I did not raise my hand yet. Please include your prayer. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hands, we are going to pray with you, and God is going to do the two greatest miracles he can do, save souls and forgive sins. So people, we're going to help them pray. Everybody in here, say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me, and you raised him from the dead. 
I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me, forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for the hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever or as a reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to their obedience and your holy word, as of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. Father, you are their shepherd. They're going to hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Proverbs says you're going to talk to them when they go to sleep. When they wake up and they walk during the day, they're in your hand, Father. No man can take them out. Lord, as they lean today, would you surround them with a shield of divine favor? May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, bring godly friends into their life that will begin to strike iron with them, cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We welcome them both into the family and back into the fold in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, would you? Praise God. Amen.